Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. We're going to have some of our young people. They had an amazing time. And Pastor Brian, he's very persistent. How many know that? But anyway, um, I, I just want to say, so how many know that the children, the youth, are all watching our example? And, and one of the things that was revelatory to me uh, quite a few years ago now is I was doing a study on joy and laughter and all these here things that were going on in the church world, which God wants in the church world, wants them taught in the church world. And then I recognized something that, that a child, listen very carefully, laughs, little kids, okay? Five years old, they laugh 440 times a day. And this is scientific evidence. This isn't out of your Bible. This is, the Bible says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But they laugh 440 times a day. How many say that's a lot? But by the time they get, we'll say, 40 years of age. You know what it goes down to? Less than the tithe. 40 times. And a lot of times it's just, hmm. That's the whole thing. So what we're, what we're learning, what, what I'm learning over here, and I'm writing a book on this here, except you become as a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. How many know kids are natural? How many know they're, they're happy? How many know kids are forgiving? Man, you could, you could mess them up and stick something in their eye or take something from them, and two minutes later, they're best friends. Forty years later, wow, they, 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 come on. So what I learned out there, what I learned is that the example that we exemplify to kids and the attitude that we look at and how we treat them is going to be very important on seeing this next generation coming in or going out with God, okay? Now, before you even go there, uh, how many know the majority, and I'm going to just show you this from, uh, the Bible doesn't tell us the age of Jesus' disciples, but how many know we can learn from history and we can speculate pretty close to where they were at from certain customs and certain things that go on during that their time in history? Okay. Uh, Jesus' 12 disciples were probably, I would say, almost all under the age of 18. Okay. And some as young as 15, and all were most likely bachelors, Except for sure, at least we know one, and that was Peter. Okay, and, and how many know Peter, listen, was married? Well, Jesus healed his mother-in-law. I remember my guide, he was, he was crazy over there at Israel one time. He said, you know, Pastor Rick, you know why Peter uh, denied Jesus three times? I said, you know, I never really thought about it. He said, well, I, I got, this is my Jewish guide over there in Israel, okay? And I says. I never really thought about it. He says, well, Jesus healed his mother-in-law. I said, man, you're sad. Come on. <laughs> anyway, we'll leave that one. Okay. 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 There's no indication in scriptures, though, for a specific age of the disciples. So we look through the historical context and clues from scripture to find out. 
In the time of Jesus, a Jewish man received a wife after the age normally of 18. And, and again, Peter was the only one that would have been married, okay? But why are we to assume that Jesus' disciples were so young? Because education for the Jewish child during that their time concluded at the age of 15. A few rabbinical scholars even said at the age of 12, because that's when they do their bar mitzvah, the whole memorization of the first five books of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They have to memorize the whole thing. I've been over there in the Western Wall, and I've actually seen them go through the whole thing. It's amazing how they do it with such confidence and such uh, dictation that is just perfect on every syllable. But anyway, from there, they would actually apprentice after school at 15, they would actually apprentice in their father or their mother's business, whatever that might be at that their time, or they would employ or train under a rabbi or other mentors in the field. We would call that as an apprenticeship in the day. And for those who had excellent or came from wealthy families, higher education consisted of studying under a local rabbi within the town or the community that they lived in. And if they didn't find a rabbi, they accepted them as a student, much like a college entrance app, then they entered into the workforce by their mid-teens. In most cases, they apprenticed under their fathers and worked for the prosperity and well-being of the family. And most of the disciples were already apprenticing at their trades in the case of disciples, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. So apparently, they were all in this fishing industry altogether. Okay. A rabbi at the age of 30 would actually work in the synagogue or the temple, if you want to term it, uh, taking the young men and imparting to them the ways of the Lord till he was actually 50 years of age. He would also be teaching. He would also be mentoring. He would also be instructing. He would also do the, uh, the Sabbath services on the, on the Saturday, uh, from Friday night when the sun went down all the way through to Saturday evening. He would do all the services in the local synagogue of that. But when the rabbi actually hit 50 years of age, he stopped all of the temple duties and all of the synagogue responsibilities and dedicated his entire life to pouring into the next generation. Interesting enough, okay, it was at the age of 30 that Jesus actually, John, uh, saw him and it said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And, and what happened? The heavens opened up and they heard a voice. Come on. Because a lot of people don't believe in the Godhead, but they heard a voice, and the voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So one of the responsibilities of the rabbis of that day was to affirm and to believe and to impart to the next generation. Okay, and when the heavens opened up, and then it said the Spirit, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus. You can read this in the book of Luke chapter 3, and it said, in bodily appearance. So how many know the Holy Spirit isn't an emblem? How many know the Holy Spirit isn't a bird? Come on, how many know the Holy Spirit is a person? So the person of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has attributes, and I'm not going to develop that we're going into a series in that in February. But, but, but anyway, um, John lived until at least uh, A.D. 96, and that's when the book of Revelation was actually written. And that was actually 63 years after the death of Christ, which emphatically teaches us that he was, a, at least that John was a teenager. Okay, and Jesus and Peter were the only two of the disciples that we know of 
possibly Levi, whose name was Matthew, okay, because Jesus and Peter paid temple tax, which was required to be paid by every man aged 20 years and older, according to Exodus 30. So they had a tax that they had to pay. And the other disciples were there two verses before. You'll see where they were all gathered together. But it's amazing that only Peter and Jesus were the two that actually paid the temple tax. And that's when Jesus actually said to him, it said on the arrival in Capernaum, Matthew 17, 24, the collector of the temple tax came to Peter and asked him, doesn't your teacher pay temple tax? Yet, yeah, yes, he does. Peter replied. None of the others did, but Peter did. And then he went into the house, but before he had a chance to speak, Jesus asked him, what do you think, Peter? Do kings tax their own people or the people that they have conquered? They tax the people they have conquered. Peter replied, well then, Jesus said the citizens are free. However, we don't want to offend them, so go down to the lake and throw in the line. Open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you'll find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the tax for both of us. Why didn't he say pay it for the others? Because prior to 18, they were not under obligation, according to Exodus 34, to pay the temple tax. Why was Jesus considered different by the religious leaders of his days? Because he was not only a rabbi who taught in the synagogues, but he also taught from the seashore and from the mountaintops and went where the everyday ordinary people were at. And he taught a new way, not just legalistic rules and regulations, but he taught the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, he said, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. And the whole Sermon on the Mount, he goes in, in the book of Matthew chapter 5. I said all that because in our young people at WCF, who are going to be sharing in the next few moments over here, in our young people, we've established something as a culture of honor. And the honor, the Bible says eight times in the scripture, I'm not going to go to every one of them right now, but it says, honor your father and your mother. Okay? And it says why? That things will go, come on, well with you. So the principle of honor was not just taught, listen carefully, to the, from the parents to their children, but the father and mother had a responsibility to so drill in the concept and the principle of honor that it would affect their everyday life. They were to honor the king. Come on. They were to honor God. This was all part of the responsibility of the parents to teach their children the principle of honor. So when it says honor your father and your mother, what's it saying about respect and honor them? But when they taught it, it covered every aspect of their relationship. So the children, listen very good, didn't have the divorce rate that we have today. Because there was a principle of honor that was established in the sons and that was established inside of the daughter that you're to honor that one that you're in covenant with. And we can go on and on and on and develop that into every area. And and have you wondered why the Jews have prospered so well? And are very creative and very understand. The same thing, as a matter of fact, Daniel was a Hebrew child. In the Bible, he had 10 times more wisdom. And the children of Israel had 10 times more wisdom than those of the, uh, of the other kingdoms that were all in there. And so where did that all come from? Well, I believe it came from God. So, so I say all that there. Ecclesiastics 12 tells us, honor and enjoy your creator while you're still young. 
the, uh, the, the scripture says, before the years take their toll and your vigor wanes is what the message Bible says. And, and so before I introduce them, this is the last one I want to say over there. How many know Joshua, the son of Nun, so it speaks about the relationship with his dad. It says Joshua, the son of Nun, it says when the children of Israel in the book of Numbers, they all went down and they worshiped the golden calf. Because Moses, what? Moses was a man, listen very carefully, that went up with God to the mount. And it says that Joshua never moved. He actually stood at the foot of the mount for 40 days while Moses went up. And so all the other adults all were impatient. But how many know Joshua, according to the scripture, was very patient? Is it possible that by example... We have taught the children impatience. Just like, is it possible that we have taught the children, listen very carefully, not to be happy? Why are you laughing? Why are you acting? Like... You ever see a kid look back and say, why are you so angry? No, they get cracked, okay? So, so, so here's, the, here's what it is. And then David goes, so, so look at your neighbor and say, teens are, by nature, how many know they are patient? Boy, that's going over so well. You, you act like I didn't raise it. I had six of them. And guess what? They learned impatience. Well, that's going over so well. How about this here? The king comes up to David and, and, and said, listen, you ain't, you're just a youth, man. You're just a teen. He said, you ain't ready to go out there and take that guy. He says, but David persisted. There's one thing we all understand about our youth is they're very persistent. How many can say that's a good characteristic if it's channeled in the, in the right way? I'm doing okay right now. There's a determination in our young people that will not quit. Why? They're not going to back down because they know within their DNA they are born to be champions in this here world. They are born to be the overcomers. They are born to take whatever obstacles that would come and all the negativity and all the fears that the society has today. And they're the ones that's going to bring the solutions to a generation. But how many know all of us have a part to play in this to see them shaped? The Bible says, make our sons in their prime like sturdy oak trees. Our daughters as shapely and as bright as fields of the wilderness. Isn't it amazing that the one thing that the oaks are known for is their incredible shade and their incredible strength. Why? Because it actually says in the scientific magazine that I got it out of it, they are the biggest influencers within the environment today. And how many know that God uses a parallel 2,000 years later or 2,400 years later to tell us that our children are to be like oaks out there. They're to be the ones that are the ones that are the environmental saviors of the day. Good preaching. And then finally, finally, in the book of Malachi, the Italian version, you know it as Malachi. Chapter 2, he says, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife in body and spirit? You are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union? So guard your heart, remain loyal to the wife of your youth. Everybody say your youth. God says, for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's army. So guard your heart, do not be unfaithful to your wife. Did you know that when these things are taught and they're modeled and exampled and poured into kids, that they will get a hold of the terms of covenant. David understood the covenant terms of God. He said, listen, the lion, the bear were just, 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 just obstacles that the enemy bring to try to destroy my dad's sheep. But he says, I stood up to the lion. I said, come on now. 
So he recognized there was something that was in the inside of him of the God of covenant that we have. And we're getting that into our young people today that he's a God of covenant. Finally, this is where we all come in. Everybody say, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God? Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow their example of their faith. Let me just ask you one question. Are your leaders modeling a spirit of faith? Then the question is, are our kids getting the model of faith from you? The faith that was in the grandmother, Lois, that got into her daughter, Eunice, and Timothy, Paul the apostle wrote and says, and I'm persuaded that that faith that was in grandma, that got into your mama, I'm persuaded, Timothy, it got into you. God has always been interested in three generations. Pastor Brian, you go ahead up and introduce. It's all yours. Well, what a joy it is to be here today. Thank you, Pastor Rick, for the time that it is. Um, I just sat, I turned to Michelle and she looked at me. The scripture you brought out in uh, Ecclesiastes 12. Jared, did we not, did we not speak on that at camp? I, I've spoken at youth before, but I, I think the, warn, the warnings in there. I'll read this to you real quick. I'm going to set this up. Actually, it starts in verse 11. It says, young man, and I, I wrote here, or woman, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. But this is the part I try to impress to them. If they get this at a young age... But remember that you must give an account to God. You must give an account. So let that be your guide. Let that be your healthy fear of God in everything you do. You know, when often we think of this world, when preachers and the Word of God speaks about it, it's talking about, and I taught the youth this week, the political system has failed us. The governmental system, not that those things are wrong, but it has failed us to bring the lasting peace, to bring the changes in our world. Look at it so turned upside down right now. And I believe these youth right here, they're going to be exactly what the Bible says. They are going to go and write the world again. We have to believe that over our youth. Like Pastor Rick said, our job as older is to pass the baton. But you know what I learned last night? Ken Moss said, you know, Pastor Brian, you know, it must be exciting to pass the baton to Pastor Michael. And I said, yes, it is. He said, you know, that the runner, when he passes it, doesn't stop dead. You know that he keeps running for a while? He keeps running, and he watches the other runner start to go farther than him right now. But he keeps running. And I remember David's prayer in the Psalms where he said, Lord, now that I'm old, don't set me aside. Remember me, Lord. Let me run with this next generation. That encourages me that Pastor Rick gave Lynn and I the privilege, and I do mean privilege, to be with these youth for five years. And, you know, I, I told uh, Pastor Michael, on the, we had a lot of time to meet and sit down at lunch, and I said, you know, Mike, it's a bittersweet feeling. He says, I know. You know, a, a part of your life is coming to an end. And then it's going to open, because God, when he shuts one door, he always opens another one, doesn't he, good? He never leaves you out standing in the cold. He's always got something planned for him, and excited where Pastor Michael is going to take the youth group. But anyways, uh, to get them up there, could you put our background up? This was our whole week. I thank Robin. We took, um, we used, 
Now, don't you like that guy? Read it. It says, I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure. And I added, of a lifetime. Because with Christ, we go on one adventure after another adventure after another adventure. We never end. So the journey is until we go home to be with Jesus. And I added the part, the baggage, or the bottom. I got your baggage. Now follow me. And I was thinking, I was looking in my prayer time this morning. And I remember real quick in Romans 5. You know, it says, where is it? I, I got to turn. Count it all joy. For those, count it all joy. For those whose sins are forgiven, or the disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose sin is no longer counted against them by the Lord. That's the thing. And I have to tell you one thing before. Youth, could you start coming up here and line up? And we'll take about two minutes, two, three minutes. I had an interesting thing happen to me. You know, like, I know, I'm sure, I'm absolutely sure, I've known Pastor Rick for 30 years, and I'm sure he's had those moments when it seemed like all hell was pressing in on your mind, and especially sometimes when being, being a parent and being a father, but even in ministry, because you deal with people, and I'm a people person, but we get, we get under attack just like you. We could completely bear witness. You're not alone. Because everybody, as I learned, has a Mara. You know what Mara is? That was when God led them to the bitter waters of Mara. And it was very interesting. They started to complain against Moses. He wasn't the problem. And instead of trusting God, Moses, it says he cried out to God, and God gave him the answer. He said, go take this certain branch or tree and throw it in the water. And the bitter waters became sweet. And I'm here to tell you, church, you are going to have a Mara experience in your life. But God doesn't want you to camp there. You are going to have it because God, as I've, I've taught these youth, I want to tell them, be honest, life isn't always going to be a bed of roses, but it's going to be an adventure. I, I used an example, and I'm not here to promote the movies. I used, which was some of the biggest movies in the last 10 years, The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. I read it years ago when I was in school. And just to set it up, I, I searched out the sites, and there was a professor, you know, that Tolkien was... Uh, part of the famous five writers, world known, known all through the world at Oxford. And a lot of the secular community has tried to downplay uh, Tolkien's Christian experience. Now, he me never meant the movie as a direct allegory. That is right. But a close professor said that if Tolkien was alive today, I got this right off the internet by a Christian. He said he would be angry and outraged to know that the secular community was pushing aside his Christian principles that he put in the movie. That's what they want. They want to say, well, we know he was a devout Catholic man and all that, but you know that uh, uh, C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, I did all this research. Through, uh, through his wife dying through cancer, he ended up finding the Lord, and it gave him strength to go through that. And to uh, he ended up leading Tolkien to the Lord. But the, the secular community is never going to tell you that. So anyways, because a lot of these youth know those movies, parents, they know them because they're intrigued. There's something inside us. There's something. 
We want adventure, and especially when you want, you're young. We want adventure. We want excitement. We want to go kind of against the grain. You know, when it's pushing uphill, they want to push it down. And that can be for a good reason. Reason all God wants to do is channel it in the right direction. And I'm so glad that you brought out Joshua. What a marvelous example of Joshua. Right. So, th- these youth of uh, you know, agreed to come up today. And I want, I want them to tell you out of their heart about the adventure that they're on now. And it's not going to stop. It's going to last them until they go home to be with Jesus. Here's Michelle. Good morning, church. So I just want to start off by saying that this summer camp was the best one yet. And I strongly recommend for any youth who haven't gone to go next year. And so if you were at summer camp last year, you know that the worship was just incredible. But if you went this year, you know it was, like, amazing. It was awesome. Everyone was dancing and singing. Even though we were tired from a lot of the activities they forced us to do, like, it was fun, though. Even though we played in the rain and got a little dirty. It was just amazing. We were all singing and praising God, even though we were tired and hungry. And I saw people come to Jesus for the first time or hear God's voice for the first time. And I'm so glad I went because I originally didn't want to go, but my brother convinced me to go. And I'm so glad I went because I got to hear God's voice and what he wanted to say to me and how he loves me and he desires to be a part of my life and my future and how he really does want to go on an adventure with me. And I think that... When youth grow to the youth group, they expect, like, just to have fun, but they grow spiritually when they go, and they learn more about the Bible and to learn to apply it to their lives. And they can see our leaders as a good example, and they want to learn to be patient and faithful to God, just like Pastor Brian has been to the youth group for five years. And I'm so glad that Mr. Michael is coming to the youth group now, but I'm also so thankful that I was able to have Pastor Brian as a pastor for five years. And I think we all are really thankful because we learned so much from him. And so I just encourage you to come to youth group and to the summer camp. Good morning. <laughs> um, I'm not like a preacher, so I don't really know how to like introduce myself, but <laughs> I'm Maya. Um, <laughs> all I have to say about summer camp really is like from the food to the to the worship to the leaders like Jarrett and Norm and Brad, Susan. <laughs> she, she could use a little work, but she's good. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, the worship is probably one of my favorite parts. I can really sit there and just close my eyes and connect one-on-one with God. Um, and it's just so important for me to have worship. Uh, like, every night, it's just something that I can come and just put all my day away and focus on God. And that's really what I love most about summer camp. And if you haven't gotten a chance to come, like if you're a youth, I think that you should really step out of your comfort zone and come. Yeah. Okay, hi. Um, and then Bryn gave me the option of crying because she said if I cry, then everyone will feel bad. I don't actually have to do this. So, <laughs> thank you. But Pastor Brian is a pretty great guy. I don't know. He's been pretty good over the five years. I really enjoyed having him. What? P word? Oh, plan. Okay. Anyways. I don't know, my experience was kind of different than everybody else. I'm just going to start crying anyways, because that's just what I do. Um, (laughs) 
I don't know. My experience was different than everybody else. Everyone was really happy going into summer camp, where I was more so mad going into summer camp. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> this is why I don't do public speaking, because I cry when I'm not even upset. Anyways, um, over like, since like July, um, I've been like mad at God because God has been telling me through like multiple people that he has a plan for me, but like, I don't know what his plan is. So it's kind of made me mad because he won't tell me what it is. Obviously he won't tell me what it is because God. And so in like, after school is finished, my, I saw my grandma and she was like, God has really put me on uh, my heart lately and like God really has a plan for you. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I was just kind of thinking about that. That's kind of neat. And then a few weeks later, Mrs. Hunter ended up texting my mom this huge long paragraph of how I was really on her heart and God put her on her heart and that God has a plan for me. I was like, wow, like two people, like yay, but I still don't know what my plan is. And, and then I saw my grandma again and she said she said pretty much the same thing. And I was like, okay, this is this is kind of cool. Like, yeah, but it'd be great if you could tell me what my plan is because it'd make me a little less mad at you. And then um, uh, Noah's grandma or Marilyn Zacher um, was telling Mrs. Mayu, which Mrs. Mayu told me the one day that Marilyn wouldn't stop talking about how God had put me on her heart and that God has a plan for me. And I was like, yay, woohoo, another person. And then um, summer camp came around, and one of the altar calls we did was, normally when we do altar calls, I get really, really excited because people are going to pray for me, and they're going to tell me what I'm going to do with my life. But today, but that time, I was kind of like, I don't want anyone to pray for me. If someone prays for me, they're going to tell me God has a plan for me, and I won't be able to take it. I'm going to go crazy. And so, and so the first night, Slew came up to me, and I wasn't feeling good the first night, so I kind of wasn't doing praise and worship, and Slew came up, and she sat beside me, and she was like, God has really put me on my, your heart lately and that God kind of has a plan for you. I was like, great, this weekend's going to be God has a plan for me. I don't think I can do it. And so that altar call when I didn't want anyone to pray for me, seven people prayed for me. Normally like one person prays. And so the first person came up and like hit my life like spot on. I was like, wow, like whew, one down. God has a plan for me. Second person came around, God has a plan for me. By the fifth person, I think there was only one in between that kind of didn't say God had a plan for me. I was like, wow, there's hope, there's hope. And so the fifth person came around and they're like, God has a plan for me. And then Micah Gabelli, who has no idea what goes on in my life, started off really strong. He's a really violent prayer. I, f I was more focused on trying to stand up because he was pushing me everywhere, but it's okay. It's okay, I'll get used to that. And so by, by the end of it, I thought he was done. And, I, and then he starts talking about where God, God knows where he's taking me in life. And I was like, well, at least he didn't use the P word. At least he didn't say God has a plan. And then two other people came up who were my friends, and they kind of know what's going on in my life. And they still, and I thought Josiah was done praying. And then he goes, Victoria, I just want to tell you, God has a plan for you. And I was like, I was like, I wonder if God has a plan for me. And so the thing was, I knew God had a plan for me, but it was a matter of trusting that God had a plan for me. And it was hard because I don't know what God's plan like plan is for me. And I'm a person who likes to know where I'm going in life and likes to have control over everything. So this year has kind of been different because I haven't had control over anything. And so, and then the last um, uh, night Pastor Brian was talking, I forget what verse it is, but it's like God has a 
God has a plan for you. And his whole, his whole thing was about God having a plan for me. So I was like, great, I should probably believe God because it's like the 14th person. A whole sermon is dedicated to it. So yeah, God has a plan for me and I know that now. It's just a matter of trusting him. So yeah. <laughs> Hi, my name is Ashley. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this is my fifth summer camp. I've been going ever since they started. And when I first started going to summer camp, <clears throat> I was very, very quiet, and I never had any friends every single year that I went. But every single year, I always got, like, a little bit out of it. So I kept going, and I kept going. It was really fun. The food was good. So I kept going, and I kept going. And then last year's summer camp, I had, I was a grade 12 leader, and I was, Jarrett really forced me out of my comfort zone, and I just had this major breakthrough. It was definitely a big time of growth for me, and my walk with God just increased like, like a hundredfold, and um, so I knew that when I was going to go next year, I was expecting the same thing to happen. I was like, I'm going to have like a huge breakthrough. Everything is going to be perfect. I'm going to know what I'm doing with my life. And this year was definitely not, not that. <laughs> this year was um, more of a season of pouring into other people for me. I was in the grade 12 plus group. You know, I was uh, one of the older, oldest kids there. So it was really my time to pour into the younger generations, during the time to pray over other people. And that was really liberating for me because I had always had um, a feeling and a call in my heart to like pray over people, but I had never been able to do it before this weekend. I had always just like got caught up in my own thoughts. And even though I really wanted to pray over that person, really wanted to speak into their life, I never could. And... Um, with such a passion for it on my heart, it was really hard to deal with something like that. So this weekend, instead of receiving, I felt even more liberated pouring into other people and pouring into the younger generations. That was an awesome job. Yeah. And I just tell you, we, we all, I mean, really, really recognized the radical change that Ashley had last year. And um, we need to tell him, do you know that uh, the second night, uh, after Lynn taught in that, we uh, had an altar call, and, and every night they go out at 10 o'clock for a big bonfire. Nobody wanted to leave. Do you know that they stayed for three hours, three hours without any exaggeration? The front, the sides, and everything were just kids were on the floor, prostate, kneeling down. They were crying. They were praying together. And we, we as leaders, we really just... Like Ashley said, we activated a lot of the older ones, but we just went around to help facilitate. But the Spirit of God moved incredibly on our youth. That they're, that's what you're looking for, Pastor Rick, is they're going to take the mantle. Thank you, Ashley. Um, usually, I've been going to summer camp for five years now, everyone, and... I don't know, uh, usually all like the last, the first three years, it was like this huge breakthrough and I like loved it to death and I was always excited. And then last year an accident happened to my sister. So I was really distracted. So I didn't really pay attention as much because I was more focused on my sister. And then this year, um, the, for all of August, I was like, oh yeah, I'm really excited for summer camp because um, like, since prom season, life has been pretty hectic. So I was like, I'm gonna get back on track with God. And I relied on summer camp to be my revival. And then about literally two days before summer camp, something happened in my whole 
mindset change and I went in not wanting to change who I was and I went in not wanting some of my friends to change who they were because I wanted them to be alongside, like down with me and so we can hold each other accountable basically. And so I would get excited when like, one of them would walk out of the sermon. I'm like, oh, good, they didn't hear that. Good, okay. And it was really bad. Like, I'd, I've never been like that before because I'm always the one trying to get my friends on track with God. And so it was really strange being on the opposite side of that. And then um, I went into worship, and I was dealing with a lot of things, I guess. And I went in really angry, and I didn't want to worship. I didn't want to do anything like that. I just wanted to kind of go home because I was angry. And then... Um, I'd say like the, the second night that we were there when we, everyone was like crying and stuff, um, I couldn't feel God and Ashley and I were like, okay, we need to stay back and we need to like just press in and try to feel God. Cause like the whole time I felt God saying, pray for people, pray for people. But I'm like, you're not even talking to me. So how am I supposed to talk to other people about you? But then I lay hands on people and I say things, then they start breaking down crying. And I'm just like, why can't I do this for me? Like, hello, like I can't make myself feel God the way that I'm making other people. So then um, Ashley and I stayed behind and then it just got to the point where I just got on my knees and then God just opened up so many things, but it didn't even feel like it was God. It was just, I got more angry and then I felt like everything that I was dealing with kind of rise to the surface and I just basically scraped off calluses off of 18 years of my life. And uh, like, I just had to deal with a lot of pain. And so the whole trip, anytime you talk to me, like if you made a comment about how many mashed potatoes I had, I'd literally start crying because I was just so emotionally like vulnerable and I hated it. Like a lot of them know I literally would talk to them or like I'd be standing there and I just start crying my eyes out. And then, um, so I was like upset like the whole trip and like Pastor Brian constantly would come up to me and like reassure me. He's like, you know, God wants you here. But I'd feel like I don't want to be here. And he'd constantly check up on me. And like it got to the point where I brought a crap load of food to the revival night or like the celebratory night so I could keep stuffing my face. So if someone asked me if I was okay, I didn't have to answer. And Pastor Brian was like with me. Like I have like my mouth stuffed with Oreos and he's like, it's okay, Kate, it's going to be fun. But then I like, after he says that, I go and I cry some more because and it was really stupid. I don't know. I'm a girl. Sorry, guys. Um, so then uh, I just kind of like left and I kind of left summer camp, not upset because I was like, I get to face a lot of things. I got to deal with a lot of things, talk to people, mend some wounds. But I still had all these wounds that were open. And God gave a word to Ashley and she came up to me and she's like, God gave me a word. And it was the first word that she ever received to give to someone. And the word was healing. And it was cool because the night before God scraped off every callus that I had. And then God said to me, I'm not going to send you into battle with open wounds. And that really spoke to me. And it just, but I was like, I'm leaving summer camp and I don't feel healed at all. And then Tolu, three weeks before we, because she's my mentor, we were talking and then we were just like talking about some things and she downloaded a sermon on my phone and I totally forgot about it. And then on the bus, God's like, look in your podcast. And I was like, are you serious? Like, I kind of just want to listen to music and sleep because... I've had about a total of three hours of sleep all summer camp. And then I opened up that uh, sermon and I listened to it. And although the sermons that Pastor Brian taught were amazing, like I've never heard him preach like that before and everything touched me. But as soon as I opened up that sermon, I started listening to it. Literally, it healed everything. It reassured me of everything. And it was like a seed that Tolu planted three weeks ago that I wasn't even aware of. It catered to everything that I was dealing with. And I realized my problem was mostly inconsistency. And you know... When you are abused with some, sometimes, like you start to think that you are only worth what you were abused, like what you were abused with. So then I start, started to think that I deserved inconsistency, and then I became inconsistent with my walk with God and with my friends. And then 
when it came to my walk with God because I was inconsistent and I thought that I was worth inconsistency. I thought God wasn't consistent with me, but God has been there all along talking to me, always giving me a still small voice, but I was inconsistent and I would walk away and I wouldn't read my word and I wouldn't be familiar with his voice. And so that happened a lot. So the summer camp just solidified everything for me and brought me back and it was amazing. Hi, my name's Bryn. Uh, summer camp this year was really amazing. Um, it was great to be with Pastor Brian on his last summer camp. It was really special. Um, this year, it changed a lot of my perspective on how I viewed the church and how I viewed our youth group, and it really opened me up to a lot of leadership. I had the honor of being part of the youth band and also being a team leader. Go green. And... Um, <laughs> So I had the opportunity to lead people in worship and to pray with people and to minister to people. And it was really great because it's not really something I've ever done before. So we see, we saw people being healed. We saw people accepting Jesus. Um, and 13 people got baptized, which was amazing. So that was a huge highlight for summer camp for me. And so, yeah, summer camp's amazing. Everybody should send their kids, send their grandkids, or if you're a youth, you should definitely go next year. What's up, WCF? (laughs) Just let me check my notes here. Um, So if you want a quick summary of summer camp, broken chains, 13 baptisms, and countless lives gone to the Lord, which was just phenomenal to see. It was so encouraging and amazing. And, um, but personally, one of the most encouraging things I experienced all week happened the very last day. I sat down with Paige DeRoche for 30 minutes. Don't know why. I'm just like, Paige, we need to have a talk. And she's like, okay. So we sat down, started talking. I'm like, how's school going? Blah, blah, blah. I didn't know too, too much about her. All I knew is Brad's daughter. <laughs> so that's about it. And we started talking, and eventually the conversation just led to everything on our hearts and everything that we had to share with each other that God meant for us to share with each other. And I started talking to her and I'm like, man, I'm really, really encouraging her. And then the conversation switched and it's like, oh, now we're diving into my life too. Now I'm learning more about myself. And it was just so encouraging to see the wisdom come out of her. And she's only going into grade nine. And I've talked to adults who would have trouble with the problems she's going through. And it was just amazing to see. Um, other than that, the food, the worship, the, the altar call. The altar call. Whew, like, like they said, three, one hour gone to three. It was amazing. Everyone was just crying. Everyone was just worshiping everything. Everything they had to give that night was poured out, and it was just phenomenal to see. I'm just so proud of everyone in the youth, and I'm just so happy to see that what we've done there has made an impact, and I'm so excited to see where they go with now Pastor Mike Cabelli um, running the youth and Pastor Brian. I want to thank you so much for your years of service. We just honor and respect you right now. You... <laughs> Give it up. You know, each and every year you would always, or, well, each and every service, you always look at us like, I'm not your father, but, like, I like to think I am. No, you really are. (laughs) Like, 
you're, you're someone I can always depend on. I can always go to for anything. And you just have such a, a tender heart and you care about each and every one of them like they are your kid. And we do view you as our father. And to Pastor Lynn as well, I don't know where she is. Second service, okay. Uh, for Pastor Lynn, she's been such a mother. She's, she's been able to connect on an emotional level with each and every one of us, just pouring out her life into ours, just trying to encourage, strengthen, and sharpen us. And one of the things that Pastor Brian focused on was iron sharpening iron and brethren sharpening brethren. And it was just so empowered. I was just so empowered, especially during the altar call, to see all like my brothers and sisters in Christ just full out worshiping. And it encouraged me to step up my game because my faith is been kind of in a rough rough walk lately so summer camp <laughs> all right I guess I get to go last I don't know how I'm going to top all these people but I'll try um so I've I've been to every summer camp all five like many of these people here as well um and every year God does something different for me like two years ago I came there to have fun and play games which I did um and that was probably the most fun year for me um, and then last year was different as well because um, I got to be a grade 12 leader like many of these people as well. Oh, well, that was, oh, that was Victoria. Okay, yeah, yeah go pink. Um, and then, like, so that, was, that year was probably the most where we all, and we, they could all probably agree with me, that we all grew in, like, the most maturity because um, we all had to step up our game and kind of um, lead it by example and feed into the younger youth. Um, and I think that we all did a really good job of that. And it was something really different for us because we had all gone to summer camp every year just to have fun and play games. And this time we had to um, work our hardest to make this the best time for the younger youth. And, um, and this year was even, was even more different because we weren't there to have fun and play games. We weren't there to lead any teams. We were still pouring into the younger youth. But this time we were like on our own little group um, with like the call it with, yeah, rogue team. We made our own team. Um, <laughs> Um, and it was really different, too, because I, I, it wasn't as exhausting as last year. Like, last year, I could barely even stand by the first night. Um, but I got to just sit back, relax, and talk to some of my best friends in the world uh, every single day and just talk about kind of how we have been for the past year because last year was the most impactful year for us. Um, and so now this was kind of our time to reflect and look at where, we are, where we're at right now because we're all going into a different season in our lives now. All, we're all graduating and um, moving on. Some of, us are moved, some of us moved away and everything like that. So um, it was just crazy like that to spend, spend that time with some of my best friends. And then um, overall, that, like, that was probably like the biggest thing from camp. But then there were two things that made this camp stand out to me above the rest. Um, was that during the, sec during the second night, during the altar call, um, I just got to see so many of the younger youth um, just worshiping their hearts out and praying and even people who had different backgrounds from me because I grew up in this church and I'm seeing people who have only stepped foot in, set foot in this church on a Friday night for youth breaking down and crying. I got to talk to those people and ask where, like, just talk to them and see where they came from and their background and everything and it was amazing to talk to them and pray with them. Um, and so that, like, like something that the enemy has always, like, tried to lie to me is that the, the church and the youth is kind of just on a downturn. And um, every single year, um, that, that thought is placed in my mind. And every single year, I leave camp like, with that completely out of my mind. God just proves, me wrong, proves, me, proves that wrong every single year, that uh, the youth is not on a downturn, that the youth is on the, ri is on the rise and rising up, and it's never going to stop rising up. So, <clears throat> so uh, the second thing that really made this youth stand out for me was... Um, the 13 baptisms. I got to see two of my best friends 
three of my cousins and my sister get baptized all in one night. Um, that was insane. Um, and I mean, lastly, I just want to thank Pastor Brian and Lynn because uh, the past five years have been unbelievable for me. That was my entire high school from like the end of middle, end of grade eight-ish all the way until I graduated. So that's, that's a lot of time. And that's, that's like a whole season of your life that's kind of, um, and you're being f- like fed into by like two people, right? So I just want to thank Pastor Brian and Lynn again. Uh, you guys have done the job you need to do and more, I think, because, um, and every single one of us have been impacted by you in one way or another. And I just want to thank you for that. Thank you, guys. As Pastor Rick comes up here, I, I just want to say to him, I was in the shower last night. Sorry if I get, this is kind of a bittersweet thing for me. It really is. Because Pastor Rick, when he first asked me, I pretty near fell off my chair in, in his office. And then he goes, see, Kathy, I told you you didn't want it. And I said, well, I didn't say that. <laughs> I just said, I need some time to think about it. But Pastor Rick, I'm so thankful five years later because that was really a God move, you know? I don't know if I can do this. I was in the shower last night, and I was just, uh, okay. no, it's okay. It's clean. <laughs> I, I drove. wasn't there. <laughs> I, <clears throat> I wanted to close with this. I wanted to close with this. Um, a lot of you don't know Pastor Rick behind the scenes, and I don't do this to to win any acceptance or special that, but I've gotten to know Pastor Rick for 30 years, and I, I know a side of him that is tender, that is loving. I know you all see it because, you know, he's got to be a strong leader in this pulpit. And, that, and um, I was in the shower, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about the youth, and my kids are growing up now and everything, and I said, Jesus, thank you for being my friend. And this came out of me. I thought of this song. It just, it just was rolling over my head. I started, and I've just sang a couple of lines. What a friend we have in Jesus. All my sins and grief to bear. Oh, I think it's that we... It's a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And I just start weeping. Pastor Rick, if I can say this, I heard the Lord say to me, he said, Brian, I'm your friend, but I want to tell you, you're my friend. I, it, I couldn't stand up in the shower. You know, you have to, just every now and then, you know, God gives you impressions, the voice of the Lord. But I mean, I know I heard him say that. I know I heard him say that, and that's something. Like, Pastor Rick, you have to invest in friendships through the good times, through the, the struggles. I'm saying, telling you, every relationship will have its morrow. But you know that branch that he threw in? I really believe it's the cross. The wood that he threw in, he turns our bitter to sweet every time. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Thank you, bro. Wow. I'm glad we went the way we went. And, uh, you know, to all of you guys, hang on, just, just to all you guys, just what I like is the transparency, the, the openness, and the just who you guys really are. Victoria, I 
was in the same valley of decision, just a few years older than you at 23 years of age when I encountered Christ and I heard the same thing everywhere, you know, God has a plan, God has this for you, God has that, and God, and it's like, I don't know what it is. I went to a scripture and it said, John 13, it says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you and by this the world will know your mind. The whole lid went off. The whole, it just opened up and that one verse has been the compelling force of my entire life. And God says that when he speaks to us and says, I have a plan, that plan is to be an influencer over people. When God zeroes in on us, it means that we all have influence on us. We're not here to impress anyone, but we're here to influence. And the pieces will come together in all of our lives, said another, uh, in the future. And, and so here I am, a brand new pastor over here in Windsor, Ontario. God puts this inside my heart. I'm, I'm now over here, and I'm, okay, God, I, I'm pastoring a church. But he said, that's not my plan, just church. He said, it's important, but that's not my plan. Okay, great. Here I am now doing what I believe I'm supposed to do because Jesus spoke that to the ministers, and he said, by the love the ministers have, one for another, the world will know your mind. And what has the enemy done? He's pitted ministry, church against church, and denomination against denomination. And I didn't know, I didn't know all that 40 years ago, but now I'm in with the top leaders of the whole country. And I'm with them on a regular basis. And seeing now what God said 40 years ago, all coming to pass today, just as he said. And people that I never believed I'd ever, ever be in the same room with, now I'm in there, and now I'm the one speaking up. Now I'm the one saying, this is what we got to do. This is where we need to go. And I recognize that it's all a gift of God's grace. Amen. How many enjoyed our young people today? I want to... We impress with our quick start, how quick we came out of the gate. But the impact we're going to have as a church, men and women of God, is how we finished the race, not how we started it. And finally, we impress with the victories of the past, what God did yesterday. But we're going to impact people of what God is doing today in changing lives, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Let's all stand to our feet. How many want to be one that's going to impact? Yes. Have the best day of your life. Come and see Darwin and Mary this morning. Thank you so much.